Hey folks, I'm David Goldstein. And I'm Brian Brinkman. And you are tuned in to the fifth episode of the Beyond the Pond podcast. It's the podcast which we use the music and culture of fish to introduce the listener to um, we consider to be non-jam bands. We think the listener might enjoy using fish as a Trojan horse, if you will, to get you to go beyond the pond and listen to some other things. Because we love fish fans. We listen to fish too much. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, this uh, being our fifth episode, we're going to cover the August 1st, 1998 tweezer from Alpine Valley in East Troy, Wisconsin. Um, if you're just tuning in to Beyond the Pond for the first time, just a quick idea of what we do. Uh, we'll break down a little bit about uh, specific fish jam, chat a little about, bit about the history of it, the venue the, show, the jam was played at, the show, the tour in some cases, and then we start to kind of dissect the jam by way of uh, five to six other artists, uh, feature some songs that we think uh, share some musical lineage and some thematic similarities with uh, the fish jam in question and kind of do a little bit of a deep dive into the artists and albums and styles of music so we've covered shoegaze in the past we've covered funk we did some dark music in our last episode uh, this one is going to be a bit more melodic driven and a little bit happier and some of the themes that you can expect to hear in this episode include melodious fish a brief history of dad rock and Sunday Afternoon Bliss. So without further ado, let's get to it. One of the reasons we chose this was uh, this is a prime example of fish being really melodic. Um, as we were saying, we, we focused on fish being really funky. We focused on really dark fish jams. But um, one of the things that I think you and I both love about fish, David, is just their diversity and the fact that they can really be a melodic band. Yeah. I mean, when I think of melodic fish, I think of Paige playing gently on the grand piano, usually mellow major key jams that kind of like massage the temple, uh, massage the temples, lazy river rides, just like recliner chairs, you know, things that are very, very pleasant to the ear, often in D major, sometimes A major. Uh, The first thing I think of when melodic fist is usually thinking of like the jam portion of um, a song like Theme from the Bottom where the jam's kind of built in. It's in D major, uh, just, you know, very page, lots of the grand piano is kind of the first thing that comes to mind yeah, with such a things. Bit of a, you, get, you get a bit of a build in some of these jams, but a lot of it is really about just kind of the ride of it. That uh, right. um, the tune that they're playing is uh, really pleasant, really soulful, really melodic, um, but you're not listening to it for, for the peak necessarily. The band is clearly enjoying the ride and they figure that you probably will as well absolutely 
So some great examples of fish playing within this style that we've found. Um, Simple in a Dog Face Boy from December 2nd, 1997. Uh, Ramble On. It's a fantastic show, top to bottom. The uh, 97 show? Yeah. Yeah, I love that show. Both of those Philly shows are, um, they should be, they should be future live fish releases, both of them. But anyway. Completely, completely agree. Uh, 81298 Ramble On. The 91299 Bathtub Gin. The 127-1999 Haley's Comet, especially the middle section of that jam. Uh, 615-2000 Ghost. What did we say? December 28, 2012 Tweezer. That gets very melodic before it peaks gloriously in C major at Madison Square Garden. Yes. Um, August 31st, 2012 Undermined from the Ep Your Face show is fantastic version of melodic uh, fish. Recently, with the summer of 2015, both of the, uh, the epic versions of Twist that they played at Shoreline and at the Mann Center at Philadelphia at some point got uh, very melodic, sort of like you're almost like a scuba diver going through a coral reef and seeing all types of beautiful clownfish and stuff. That's what comes to mind with that one. <laughs> with those two, I should say. I love that. Uh, also recently, the uh, the 11-2-2014 Piper, uh, the, the, the second jam within that, uh, very, very melodic, as well as the uh, January 2nd, 2016 Tweezer, um, mm. which uh, many people uh, will call the, the MSG Tweezer, as it is a, a pinnacle version of the song at, uh, at the venue. Yeah, that Tweezer, at some point, with the it got so melodic, it was like Trey, he had a melody in mind, he was almost playing a song. It was almost... Right. There was like two or three minutes. There was a full-fledged song that had a melody. It had notes. It almost sounded composed. That's how good that part of that tweezer was. One of the other things that really makes this tweezer stand out, part of the reasons that we picked it, is this is a really unique tweezer. Um, Fans of tweezer will know that if you turn on Fall 94 or uh, Summer 95, you get very cacophonous, noisy tweezers. You get really funky tweezers in 1997. Um... 2003, 2004, you get some very exploratory ones that really exemplify the oxy jamming style from that era. Um, mm. But this is uh, th- this tweezer. I feel like if you go back historically, um, the the first tweezer that you can find in this style is uh, April 21st, 1992, from Eureka, California. Um, just a very, very unique tweezer that um, almost feels like a precursor from a different era uh, in a, in a time when they were peaking every tweezer in a rock fashion. This one kind of meanders in a uh, slightly focused, slightly woozy, uh, melodic way that um, I personally really, really enjoy. And I think, wasn't that tweezer covered recently on an episode of Helping Friendly Pod? Yeah, I think it was uh, one of the more recent ones. RJ did it. Really great uh, uh, second set feature for... uh, um, the April 21st, 92 show, um, Helping Friendly Pod also, we should give them a nod, did a really phenomenal full-on deep dive tweezer episode about a month ago um, that you guys should check out. We'll link to that in our, our blog post. But they had um, uh, my local brethren, uh, uh, MD Funk, on there to uh, take us through tweezer and, and tell us the history of fish through the jam. And let's see, we have listed as 
Some other examples of what we call bliss tweezers is uh, May 31st, 2009 from Fenway with a big theme from the bottom jam. Pretty not a very good show. The tweezer was the highlight. July 12th, 2013 from Jones Beach. Phenomenally melodic tweezer which goes into cities. I'm pretty sure I got hypothermia and nearly died at that show. <laughs> but the tweezer was very good. Yeah, the uh, the nine three two thousand eleven uh, from Dix, uh, the first year at Dix that that goes into a really blissful uh, almost ninety nine S jam, ten twenty seven thirteen, Hartford Connecticut. This was a week after that brilliant Hampton version that goes into a week of Pog S jam, um, really really blissful, really melodic. Um, also the eight nine fifteen jam. Uh, from Alpine Valley, uh, same venue that we're talking about here for this show, uh, that goes into a Franklin's Towers-esque jam. We also have 822.15 from Magnaball. It was epic. And December 30th, 2016, um, the most recent holiday run from Madison Square Garden. I kind of, with that show, I admit that I'm sort of guilty of only playing the ghost and light and party time back to back to back but one can almost forget that the tweezer to open the second set was phenomenal and blissy and goes into sparks and just briefly want to have another shout out to the uh 102713 tweezer from hartford i call that tweezer the helping dog tweezer because when i listen to it it makes me think of a big friendly golden retriever that's used to like calm down anxious kids. That's <laughs> that's what it does for me. I was there and it was like being wrapped in a warm blanket of uh it's one of probably the top five that I've seen in person. Love it. Yeah, it's a good anyway. version. Um so this show, uh eight one ninety eight, just to kind of briefly cover it and just uh anyone who's who's been listening to us uh, episode three, we covered the Riverport Gin. We talk a lot about Summer '98. So if you guys want to get a little bit of a history of that, um, please please head over to episode three. But for this show specifically, um, hard to believe this was only the third show ever at Alpine Valley, and this was a really early webcast show. Um, that, third ever fish show. Uh, fish show. Excuse me. Yeah, right. third ever uh, fish show at Alpine Valley. Alpine Valley been around since 1977. Um, but this was a very early webcast show for the band. Um, opened up with Ramble On, followed by a really unique Mike Est- Mike's Esther Groove. Um, really fun little first set, kind of random songs thrown together. Um, what are your thoughts on this show, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that the second set, <clears throat> it kind of feels like it could be a set two from 2009 or like 2011. Yeah. Um, kind of just a bunch of songs stacked upon each other like firewood. It works. Um, it's also what this was the first show where they played James Addiction's Been uh, Caught Stealing in the Encore. Yeah. And it's like Been Caught Stealing into Tweezer Reprise. I love James Addiction. I think that when Trey plays the riff, he's missing a note here or there. It doesn't sound quite right to me. It's not, not the best cover they played in summer 1998, but you know, they do it. They're pretty game about it. They're happy. And um, what else do we say on this one? Mike's Esther Weekapog. It's unusual. Quite unusual. I think it's the only time it's ever happened. It was the first Esther since uh, October 19th, 1996. 139 shows. So pretty big bust out there. 
Um, not a lot of jamming in the second set until you get to this tweezer. This tweezer is really kind of the peak of the set. Uh, fades into Fluffhead after after it concludes. But um, I've always really enjoyed this show. I find it's one of those shows that there's a lot of songs. Um, there's one big jam. Uh, but for whatever reason, it flows really well. And it's kind of similar to a lot of the music we're going to talk about a little bit later. It's the kind of set I can throw on when I'm grilling food or when I'm hanging out doing yard work. And it just feels mm. really well. Let us play this fish jam. And then we will uh, get into some other types of music that it very much reminds us of. Let's go.
Blissy Fish. Uh, it was a great tweezer jam. Hope you guys all enjoyed that. Feeling comfortable, feeling easy, feeling like it's Sunday afternoon. Uh, so the first segment of music that we're going to talk about here is uh, an overview of Dad Rock. We're going to do a brief history of Dad Rock. Uh, this is uh, an often maligned term that David and I, both being young fathers uh, who both need music and beer mm. and good times in our lives to get by, uh, we have embraced this. I know that I'm proud of this term at this point in time. How about you? Oh, no. I wear the Dad Rock is. That's a badge of honor. Total badge of honor. I, I <laughs> wear the dad rock with my dad bod and my dad beard and my dad beer, uh, and, I, and I just love it. It's great. Uh, all the same, all the above, enjoying <laughs> all these things right now as we speak. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we look at dad rock, you know, we kind of define it as music that either your dad introduced you to or you want to introduce to your kids, maybe a combination of both. It can be great background music. You can grill to it. Or you could figure your own life out to it. These are road trip records. These are records that can be the soundtrack to your life decisions. And we just want to distinguish dad rock from straight up classic rock, although there's certainly some overlap on the radio. But Led Zeppelin's not dad rock because Robert Plant is sexy. Dad rock's definitely not sexy. (laughs) Pink Floyd, too grim. Roger Waters is too didactic. You know, you can't really grill happily to like metal or like wish you were here this is more of a more of a mindset kind of like a state of mind these are records that you can put on and kind of just forget about them or concentrate on them but um, very much a strain of americana kind of runs through a lot of them and a brief history of data kind of off the top of our heads might look like it would begin with Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde from 66. The band, music from the Big Pink, 68. Uh, Neil Young, everybody knows this is Nowhere from 69. Not his best album, but it's the one that's got Cinnamon Girl and Down by the River. Those are two dad rock epics. Um, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Deja Vu from 70. And Little Pete's Waiting for Columbus from 77. That's uh, very much a barbecue record. It's Southern Soul. Fish didn't really do it justice. If you didn't care for the Halloween show, I don't blame you. I still recommend that you really seek that record out. Picking up from there, mid-70s, Steely Dan, Asia, 1977. Uh, one of uh, 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 the classic... Uh, just jazzy uh, electronic type of records that uh, I know that my dad loved when he was in college. Uh, Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms from 85. Paul Simon, Graceland in 86. Springsteen's Tunnel Love in 87. The uh, Midlife Crisis of Dad Rock albums. Mm, Jumping totally. to uh, late period grunge, Pearl Jam's Yield in 1998. Uh, a fantastic uh, modern, uh, early modern example of dad rock. Wilco's Yankee Hotel of Foxtrot, maybe the dad rockiest album on the peak of Mount Dad Rock. <laughs> or uh, Ryan Adams and the Cardinals, Cold Roses from 2005. Um, very American Beauty sounding. That's whenever someone says it sounds like American Beauty, they're usually full of it. But that's one of the few records that does sound like American Beauty. The National, High Violet from 2012, um, The Walkman, their swan song, Heaven 
from 2012. And then finally, a record that both of us love very much, The War on Drugs, Boston the Dream from 2014, which in many ways is a tribute to the production values on um, Dire Straits Brothers in Arms, um, Dire Straits Brothers in Arms and uh, Springsteen's Tunnel of Love, like the very reverby, synth-heavy, almost electronic-sounding drums. It's, we love it. So getting into our first selection, we want to talk about a uh, young guitarist, uh, William Tyler, who uh, a song that we've selected from him is uh, the lead track from his most recent album, Modern Country, uh, in 2016. Track's name is Highway Anxiety, um, which is one of the prettiest songs I heard last year. Um, very much taps into the Mark Knopfler dire straits mid-80s type of soundscapes type of uh reverb and uh and guitar techniques um william tyler was a former silver jews guitarist he played all over one of my favorite records of theirs possibly my favorite record of theirs bright flight um he's a nashvillian at heart owned and operated a venue there called the stone fox with his sister uh, they closed up this last New Year's Eve with a uh, big late night show uh, going into early 2017. Um, the record uh, at hand that we're talking about here, Modern Country, was recorded with Glenn Kochi of Wilco, who was on drums, uh, as well as Phil Cook of Megafun. Plus, uh, he's done some great solo work himself. Uh, he did an album in 2015 called Southland Mission, which it's really an epitome of a dad rock recording. Um, what are your thoughts on Tyler? Um, I like him very much. It's uh, It kind of checks off all the boxes we're looking for here in that it's a great road trip record. You can kind of zone out to it, but he's a fantastic musician. And I remember when I first heard it, I tweeted... This has the very 80s production, albeit like Bob Dylan's Oh Mercy and Dire Straits Brothers in Arms. And I think um, Phil Cook from Megaphone favored it, so he clearly did agree with me in that sense. But it's, uh, yeah, it's it's an excellent record. It gets sort of out there at points, but it always manages to get reeled back in. And it's it sounds great on vinyl. It sounds great coming from your car. And I think um, want to listen to it. Let's go ahead and do it.
right, that was William Tyler with Highway Anxiety off of the Modern Country album. Now, the next artist we are going to discuss here is somebody that basically, if you've hung out with me for more than five minutes over the past three years, you've gotten an earful of because he's probably my favorite working guitarist today, not named Trey Anastasio. And this is a man by the name of Steve Gunn. And the song that we are going to play is Fiction. It's the first song on side B of the Way Out Weather album, which came out in 2014. Uh, Let's see, Steve Gunn, kind of a... He's been putting out solo records in one form or another for some time. I think kind of his first full band solo record was called um, Time Off, which came out in 2013. He was a sideman in Kurt Vile and the Violators. We're actually going to discuss a bit later in this episode. And... I think probably the best way I can describe this record and his others is just layers upon layers of mellow intersecting guitar lines. You got to think of it's like Jerry Garcia kind of crossed jamming with Dwayne Allman and John Fahey at the same time. And his voice, he kind of sings like Thurston Moore uh, from Sonic Youth. Thurston Moore is a slightly better singer. And a lot of his music is um, very much reflective of Sonic Youth from the mid-2000s, talking the Murray Street album, the Sonic Nurse album in particular. And Way Out Weather was kind of, although it wasn't his first full band album, it was the first one that was fully realized in terms of the haze, in terms of the production. And really, I had mentioned uh, earlier there was a tweezer from Hartford, Connecticut that was kind of, Reminded me of like a helper dog. Well, this album and all of Steve Gunn's albums, really, those are my helper dogs. When I just want to mellow out, listen to something very pleasant, very melodic, and it works for lying on the couch. It works for watching golf on TV with the sound down at 4.30 on a Sunday. It works for grilling. And frankly, I'm kind of excited for you to hear it. And if you don't get this song on the first time, I would go back and listen to his record four or five times. It should click with you. And uh, let's listen to it right now. Thank you for that selection, Dave. Uh, Steve Gunn has really been uh, inching up my 
listen and rotation on a, on a weekly basis. Just really fantastic stuff. His his most recent record, Eyes, Eyes of the Lines, um, uh, as well. One of my one of my favorite records last year. Yeah, that Eyes on the Lines was my favorite album of 2016. Oh, it was. It could be. Yeah, it could be his best record. I go back and forth between that and Way Out Weather. And uh, quick shout out to friends of the pod, Seth Eisenstein and P.J. Rudolph. I know I talk your ears off about Steve Gunn, so I'm sorry that I'm doing it again. But you got to pay attention to Steve Gunn. All right. Uh, So to round out our first section here, uh, our uh, modern day dad rockers, uh, we're going to go with one of the... um, epitomes of dad rock in this era uh, kurt vile uh the song that we're gonna pick we're gonna play for you is called on tour off of 2011 smoke ring for my halo um kurt vile is one of my favorite musicians um of the last 10 15 years i first discovered him in 2009 i was passed along uh his record childish prodigy and i've really been following him ever since um as he moved from really lo-fi kind of grungy type of uh recording processes into um some really really pretty uh reverb induced uh dire straitsy type of uh um um recordings and um kurt vile was originally a member of the war on drugs a band that we've talked about extensively here on this podcast and will continue to Mm. um uh actually adam grandshiel of the war on drugs uh, played guitar, bass, drums, and Mellotron on most songs of this record. Smoke Ring for My Halo is the last record uh, that I'm aware of that he was a part of with Kurt Vile. After this, they kind of branched off into their own uh, directions. Um, Vile, his last record that he played on with um, The War on Drugs was, well, I think he was sampled on Slave Ambient in 2011, but he was featured throughout Wagon Wheel Blues. Anyway, um, this record was written during the tour for uh, 09's Childish Prodigy, um, which was his first tour with the full Violators band. Um, And I actually saw them on this tour and in researching this podcast, uh, realized that uh, Grandshield was playing guitar, uh, backup guitar for Vile during this tour. And I remember looking at him and thinking, that is a lifer... uh, backup uh, musician and I remember taking a picture of him that I found in my external hard drive over the weekend and I could not have been more wrong because he's now probably my favorite singer songwriter around but um, (laughs) (laughs) in talking about this record Kurt Vile said um, you know this record is just me and those thoughts you have late at night when nobody's around it's more a feeling than a statement a general wandering feeling um, it's kind of a wandering record. feels like a lonely bus ride. It feels like looking out the window on, on a Greyhound bus. And especially this song, this song in particular, uh, certainly the title track, I think Peepin' Tomboy on yeah. this album. Um, I think it's produced by John Agnello, who also produced the Hold Steady's Boys and Girls in America. He's produced some recent records by... Um, the new style emo band cymbals Z guitars. He just always gets a very full, very crisp sound. His albums always sound very good. And this one in particular, it's very clear acoustics, very clear vocals. I mean, in addition 
to phenomenal songwriting. I mean, it's the first Kurt Vile album I thought that was just very pleasing to the ear. Yeah, he had just gotten a Martin guitar. Um, you can tell he was starting to just make some money from touring and uh, uh, album sales and got himself a Martin. He was obsessed, it sounds like, with writing on that. And um, from what I was reading, he would have he would have made a complete folk record, but uh, his label Matador wanted a few rockers, so he wrote and recorded "Puppet to the Man" and "Society is My Friend," right at the tail end of the recording sessions, just to kind of give a little bit of diversity. This is an album that I think of all of his records uh, has been a real grower for me. You know, uh, "Childish Prodigy" and "Waking on a Pretty Days" from 2013 uh, struck a chord with me almost immediately. Um, I guess I still haven't totally come around to 2015's Believe I'm Going Down. Um, Me neither. It's got parts. It's got good moments. Um, you know, he's a, he's, his songwriting comes through in a really interesting way on certain songs. But overall, it just doesn't feel like a complete package. Um, and the cover art's really bad. That too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's... Um... Believe him going down, it's fine. It's not my favorite Kurt Vile record by any stretch. It seems to be missing a little bit of the magic, but that's okay. He'll be back. Yeah. Got faith. Um, but this record, uh, you, you can just kind of throw it on, and it uh, it tells a really nice story. It's really pretty. It can go on in the background. It's great on Sunday mornings, and uh, I think we should listen to On Tour right now. Files on tour from Smoke Ring for My Halo, probably still my favorite record of his. So this is the portion of the show where we kind of talk about uh, some new album recommendations before going to the home stretch. Brian, 
What do you got? We've got a record from a country music lifer. Uh, shout out to Colin Warren for recommending this, passing this my way. This is uh, Marty Stewart and his fabulous superlatives way out west. Um, this has sneakily become one of my favorite records of 2017. Um, have, have you been listening to this at all, Dave? I just started today, and I got a half hour into it, and I said, oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> it's country rock. It's surf rock. It's got comedy. It's got funny vocals. There's some traditional stuff. There's some well, like Bakersfield, California country. It runs the gamut, and uh, I was very entertained by it. Yes, yeah, Stuart is, um, like I said, a lifer in the country music scene. Uh, he was born in Mississippi, Philadelphia, Mississippi, uh, to be more accurate. He is of French, Scottish, English, Choctaw, and uh, Colombian descent, and uh, got a start in the music business as a guitarist for Johnny Cash. Um, this record, uh, simply put, it fuses traditional country, uh, tr- a traditional country approach and instrumentation with cosmic stories of the American West. It's as if Johnny Cash or uh, uh, Johnny Cash did a soundtrack for season four of Breaking Bad or uh, for a Tarantino flick. It's just um, tongue-in-cheek and a little bit spooky at times and really hilarious other times and then just beautiful, beautiful instrumentation and vocals uh, produced by Mike Campbell of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Um, He's in the band too, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um it's a moody album. There's uh, some atmospheric instrumental tracks dotted throughout that really kind of shifts the mood. It's just really great long player. Uh, love, love listening to this record. So let's see. Um, the one thing I started listening to last week and have been playing repeatedly this week is a new album by Slow Dive, also called Slow Dive. Um Careful listeners of Beyond the Pond will note that in the Shoegaze episode, episode two, we kind of mentioned Slow Dive as being one of the progenitors of the genre. And this is actually their first album in 22 years. No, I should say you'd be surprised to know that because it is it checks all the Shoegaze boxes that I love. And the fact that it's very melodic, it's a big wall of sound. You get... Um, Male and female vocals from the two main songwriters, Neil Halstead and Rachel Goswell. And it's it's epic. I guess you could almost say like oceanic shoegaze. You know, it has the feeling. It's got like the throbbing post-punk bass. It has the feeling of being underwater. But all the songs have a lot of drive. It's extremely pretty. And considering that they basically haven't put out a record in 22 years it's quite the achievement and if you enjoy shoegaze music or the things we played in the second episode or you just want to hear a melodic wall of sound i would definitely recommend you check it out yeah i listened to this record for the first time on monday i want to say and um i've probably listened to it five or six times since um Really, really fantastic. Really, really beautiful. Everything that you said, just excellent, excellent record. Really hard for a band to come back after 22 years and make something like this. I mean, it's great because they wanted to do it. I think they've been playing shows on and off since 2014, and it took them some time 
to get the record together, but it's a reunion for all the right reasons and that they were eager, they had good material, they were excited about it, and then that's the result. Right. As opposed to, say, the new At The Driving record, which I'm not going to talk about much other than to say that uh, you don't got to listen to it. <laughs> right on. So a couple new stuff for you guys. Um, moving into our second segment. So um, it wouldn't be a dad rock episode if there wasn't a focus on those waning hours of the weekend when you've gotten the yard work finished and kids are playing or possibly napping you've got some uh burgers chilling in the free in the fridge ready to be grilled and you just sit down on the patio and you throw on a record drink a beer maybe have a baseball game going on in the background hopefully it's not the 2017 cubs or mets so that you're mm. actually enjoying yourself um, yeah hopefully by that time the mets have won or they've lost embarrassingly and then you're watching <laughs> pga tour golf <laughs> You're watching some golf at 4:45 in the afternoon with a pale ale. I don't know. I, I, you know, I won a World Series, and I'm just staring off into the distance, wondering what it all means at that point. So, um, <laughs> I need, I need a record that just gets me, brings me back to center. Um, so, we wanted to feature a couple songs off of a few albums that I know David and I both uh, rely on uh, for these kind of Sunday afternoon blissful moments. Um, the first is one of both of our favorite records of the last 10 years. I know this will end up in um, probably my top 15, if not top 10 of the decade when all is said and done. Uh, so the first song that we want to feature is off of Beach House's uh, 2010 record, Teen Dream. Uh, this is the song Walk in the Park. Uh, David, what are your thoughts on this? This is my favorite Beach House song, my favorite Beach House album. It's... Uh... Sunday Afternoon Bliss is probably the best way to phrase it. I know, um, I think this was the third album, the first on the Sub Pop label. Yes. I think that they were looking to make a more sophisticated album than um, the one Devotion, which came out in 2008. Less reverb than their previous work, which is kind of amazing because it's not like this album lacks for reverb. Right. And I think... uh, in particular, at some point, Trey talked about this album, which he really enjoyed, in particular the guitar work of um, Alex Scally, who's half of the group in early 2011. And I think uh, what we pick out the version of Waves from uh, May 27, 2011 is uh, very much in the style of this guy, Alex Scally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got the... Uh, um, it almost sounds like, like he's playing like a just like a, a little creak of music. It's just like very uh, note-driven and melodic and really, really pretty. That's, uh, one of Did I say May 27, 2011? I'm pretty sure Fish didn't play a show on that date. They did. Yeah, that was they the uh, opening date of the summer 2011 tour at Bethel. Oh, that's right. I had a wedding that weekend. I could not go to those shows. This I just... Is- Okay. This is the night after, you know, the more the more famous version is the tech version, but uh, the version from the actual show is, um, or the tech rehearsal is the one that people uh, tend to drive to. Right, the Bethel Soundcheck. Right. Yeah, great, 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 great jam. Unbelievable 30 minutes long. This is about half as long, but um, really focused around a theme that sounds as though it's lifted off of Teen Dream. This is... Uh, 
kind of the moody point, the moody shift in the record about halfway through. Um, this album was released in January 2010, um, and uh, this was a big turning point for the band. Um, from here, they went to Bloom in 2012, and then Depression Cherry in 2015, and um, they really settled on a sound on Teen Dream that uh, um, they've owned in a, in a really tight way, and um, have just continuously made you know consistently great music ever since. So let's go ahead and let's listen to it now. Walk in the Park from Beach House off the Teen Dream record. And continuing the Sunday Afternoon Bliss slash Dad Rock theme, the next song we're going to feature from an album from 2016 from Hamilton Lighthouser and Rostam, which is, um, you would know Hamilton Lighthouser. He was the front man of the Walkman, who I believe broke up, I want to say 2012, possibly 2013. And Rostam was uh, most recently kind of the jack of all trades in vampire weekend and i think he's been mostly branched off into production work i know vampire weekend still exists although he's no longer is in the band so those two they recorded an album together between july 2014 and february 2016 at rostam's home studio and i guess they released it using both of their names kind of as a tribute to um releases from david byrne and brian eno and I guess they first became friends in 2008 or so after they met at a show that they were both at. The, um, this familiarity helped them to begin recording as it came to them on the same page pretty quickly. And this album, um, the textbook, when you think of the Walkman, you think of lots of reverb and shrilling guitars in addition to Hamilton Lighthouse's voice, which everyone describes as whiskey-soaked. He's kind of... <laughs> A little throaty, a little epic. It sounds like this. And when I hear this record, it's kind of like a continuation of the Walkman in a sense. So the the production's a little, little bit more esoteric, a little more synth heavy, uh, a little more bass. 
And it's kind of, it's unique in that it sounds modern and kind of old and classic at the same time. I think uh, Lighthouse has really kind of found a good foil in like Rostam's, his, his production styles. And, um, you know, as such, it's a pretty entertaining record. Brian, what say you? You know, uh, when I first heard that this record was coming out, I kind of scoffed at it. It uh, didn't seem like it was necessary that these two guys make a record together. And then it came out, and it was somehow way better than it had any right to be. And it ended up being one of my favorite records last year. I listened to this all the time. Um, You really covered everything in there. You know, the the idea that um, they mix this kind of late 50s, early 60s style of country and doo-wop and soul with Rostam's synths and uh, bass I mean, it sounds like a fusion in a lot of cases of the Walkman and aspects of Vampire Weekend, but really honing more to the Walkman sound. Um, you know, Rostam is a is a very uh, visual producer. Um, you can you can hear like the colors that are coming out of his production throughout this record, and it really just it's a lot of candy that you get throughout the record um, between. Uh, uh, Lighthouser's lyrics that make you want to sit at the end of a darkened bar on the Lower East Side and stare into a glass of whiskey um, and Rostam's production. Uh, it just kind of takes you in a lot of different places from a mood standpoint. And um, I absolutely love it. Love this song. Um, and uh, Rostam has a debut record coming out this year. Definitely keep an eye out for that. He just released... Um, uh, single off of that about two or three weeks ago that's floating around the internet and uh, really, really pretty stuff. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and uh, listen to Peaceful Morning.
All right, that was Peaceful Morning from Hamilton Lighthouser and Rostam. Uh, for our last song, we are going to choose a selection off of my uh, number one record of 2016. Uh, this was Kevin Morby's singing Saw and the song Dorothy, which uh, absolutely love this song. Probably the peak of the record. Um, Kevin Morby, uh, interesting track. Uh, interesting uh, uh, biography uh, from a musical standpoint, kind of similar to um, Steve Gunn and William er, and uh, Kurt Vile, uh, as we talked about in our earlier segment, in that he started out in a different indie rock band. He was the bassist in Woods and a lead singer in the group The Babies, and then uh, debuted as a solo artist in 2013 with Harlem River. Uh, this is his third record. He has another album coming out uh, in June of this year uh, called City Music that I'm greatly looking forward to. But um, this is a really warm and soulful and folksy record. It uh, kind of sounds like um, early 70s Dylan. Um, it's really his most fully realized record to date. Uh, you feel as though he's stripped away rebuilt his sound with only the strongest parts. It's very warm and woozy with, you know, kind of like an age-old sheen. There's a lot of atmosphere in this record. There's certainly some menace. What I like is that he isn't afraid to let the song stretch out to like, you know, five, six, or even seven minutes at some point. It's not so much, not so much jammy, but he just lets it breathe, especially on um, the title track, Seeing Saw, in, in particular. Yeah, yeah, he wants you to really just, like, um, get into the song, you know, really feel all aspects of it, even if there isn't a ton going on in some of these songs. Um, but it doesn't feel like he really wastes a lot of notes or a lot of space, which I really like. There's always um, some movement towards something that you want to keep listening to. And for those J-Rad fanboys out there, we know we know who you are. Marco Benevento plays keys all throughout this record. Yeah, this is one of those crossovers where you get uh, <laughs> something a bit from the jam band scene that moves in with... It's it's kind of where Brooklyn Jam meets Brooklyn Indie, um, although this is very much of an L.A. record. Um, but uh, uh, really, really great stuff. Dorothy is just a uh, peak hose song, if you will. Uh, let's go ahead and... Let's listen to that right now.
Dorothy off of the Kevin the Kevin Morby album Singing Saw. Now um, we're in the home stretch. Just want to um, wrap up what we have recently listened to. The first song we heard back then was Highway Anxiety by William Tyler off of the Modern Country album. Then we heard Fiction by Steve Gunn off of the Way Out Weather record. On Tour by Kurt Vile of uh, Smoke Ring for My Halo. We just did Walk in the Park by Beach House off of Teen Dream. Then uh, Peaceful Morning by Hamilton Leithauser and Rostam off of the I Had a Dream That You Were Mine album from 2016. Uh, and then finally, the last thing we just heard, uh, Dorothy from Kevin Morby off the Sing Saw record. <laughs> Awesome. And uh, just a quick overview where you guys can find us. Um, so we're on Twitter at underscore beyond the pond. We post uh, every other week on Medium, a brief little essay with some links to some further information. Uh, Medium.com uh, slash beyond the pond. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. You'll see us posting articles and videos and uh, links to uh, a little bit more information about all the artists that we feature between episodes. And then finally, we update our Spotify playlist, which you can find at Beyond the Pond Podcast Playlist. Uh, that'll be uploaded the morning after we post. Um, so, yeah. If for some reason you can't find us, feel free to add us on Twitter. We will link it to you. Some people have had some trouble finding that on Spotify. There shouldn't be, but we're uh, more than happy to share the link. Absolutely. So with that, um, hope you enjoyed listening to this episode based on the August 1st, 1998 tweezer, where we explored themes of dad rock in Saturday afternoon bliss. And with that, I am David Goldstein. I'm Brian Brinkman. And we thank you very much for joining us in this episode of Going Beyond the Pond. And we will be back with episode six. I forget exactly what that's going to be, but we will keep you posted. And if you made it this far, thank you very much. And come back in two weeks and we will go beyond the pond. <laughs>